next time. Um, if you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 3. We're going to continue our study through the book of Acts. Um, Acts chapter 3. Um, last week we were gathering, we went through Acts. We saw that the church was, was growing in numbers, was growing in um, every single day. The text said in Acts chapter 2, it says they were praising God in verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So we, we see this increase of the church. We see men and women coming to know Christ and following and dedicating themselves to the local visible New Testament church. Which that is, that's the model we're trying to follow after today. We have a local visible New Testament church. That's what this place is. It is a local visible New Testament church. And, and we dedicate ourselves to the teaching of God's word. We dedicate it to fellowship with one another and, and to Proclaiming the gospel and seeing men and women come to know Christ as Lord. And as, so as a result of that in this text, we see them growing. And you know what? Honestly, we're here today because of this. That happened here in Acts chapter 2. And as a result of that taking place in Acts chapter 2, we're now here in 2021 in Cedarville, Kansas. Because of that, it just spread and spread and spread and spread and spread. So this week, we're going to continue in chapter 3. We're going to go and just go on verse by verse. Next portion of this is Acts chapter 3 of this week. So Peter and John are together, and they're headed towards the temple. So we're going to start there in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up into the temple at the hour to prayer, the ninth hour. And a man who was lame from birth. Now that's key. Remember that. He was lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that was called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him and at John as well. And he said, look at us. And so he fixed his gaze, he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have is I give, I will give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We'll continue and go on here in just a minute, but I, I, I just want us to see this. So Peter and John are on their way to the temple. It's the ninth hour. This would put it about three o'clock in the afternoon. Jewish Culture in this day, there were three times that they prayed. They prayed in the morning, they prayed at noon, and they prayed at evening. This was considered evening in this day and age. So about three o'clock in the afternoon, they were gathering together in the temple to pray. So as they're walking in, we meet a man who is at the gate, and this gate is called Beautiful. It was a large gate that was, t that, uh, was at the beginning of the front entrance um, of the of the temple, and it was typically this is where they were all the poor, the lame, the blind, the sick. They would lay them at this gate, and they, those people would ask for alms. Alms is literally they would sit outside of the gate and they would ask for money. They, this was the charity. This was the the social security network of their day. They would sit outside of the gate of the temple and they would ask for money. 
Help. I need help. I, I'm physically not able to do this. I, am, I'm, I can't work. I, I'm blind. I'm sick. I, I need help. That was the idea here. And they would gather to receive alms or money uh, or something of that nature because of their, their poor. They were either poor, blind, or, or um, lame in some capacity. So John, or Peter and John meet this man and he's asking for money. As beggars would do. This was not an abnormal thing. This was not something that people were like, oh, this is not okay. Every, this was normal. As you walked into prayer, this is what you saw. And, and people would be generous with their money to try to help these people. And the reason he was having a bag was because he could not walk. And he could not eat because he had no money. So he needed to have He needed something. So he asks for money from Peter and from John. And Peter answers him. And and this is what what he says. And listen, I love this this in the text here. Because there's a couple of different things we're seeing here in the text. And Peter directed his gaze at him. This man asking for alms. And Peter, verse 4, directs his gaze at him. As did John. And says, look at us. So the man saying, can you please give me something? Alms, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And Peter and John see him and they fix their eyes on him and they see him and they start to talk at him and they say, hey, look at us. Hey, fella, look at me. And he gets ready and he's expecting something, you know, and what is he expecting? Money. He's expecting some sort of financial money. And so he's. He has this fixed attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. His expectation, his expectation was a temporary thing. He was looking for a temporary fix. He was looking for a temporary um, setup. His expectation was temporary because he had a temporary view. A temporary man, a man who has a temporary view on life, will have a temporary um, expectation in life. But a man who has an eternal view on life will set his expectations not on worldly things, but on Christ-centered things that have an eternal value. And so this man had a temporary expectation for his life. And Peter looks at him and John and Peter says, I have no silver and gold. Just a side note. This is just this is not on my notes, but five months from today is going to be Christmas Day. And that's when I read silver and gold. OK, all right. I'll let it go. <laughs> I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you freely in the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. So his, this man's expectation was temporary in nature. He was not expecting a long, drawn out, eternal thing here. He was looking for just, man, I, just, I, I need some cash. I need something to take care of me in this moment. And Peter says, listen, I don't have a dime. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But here's what I do. I'll give you what I do have. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And when he said this, Verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and he pulled him up and immediately his ankles and feet were made strong. Now, we live in a culture today that has a very, um, 
we're, we're obsessed with healing stuff on religious programs. We got guys like Benny Hinn, Todd White, um, all these guys that have these healing ministries. And, and if you notice, if you've ever watched Benny Hinn on television, man, they, they pull these people up on the seat, on the, on the stage, and they're going to heal them in the name of Jesus. And it's not like this was, notice, this man had been crippled from birth. So there was a visible problem with his legs and his feet and his ankles. So people knew that this was a problem because he had been this way since birth. So this was not something where there's this, they've got documentaries where um, these people, they, they, they do the, the leg growing thing. And it's actually an optical illusion where they try to make their foot look like they're growing. And it's, they've, they've, they've shown us how on TV how that works. But these guys like Todd White and Benny Hinn and all these faith healers do all of these things to try to deceive so they can get a following. And if they've done tons of evidential documentaries that Benny Hinn is a fraud. Uh, there was a man who hit this horrible story. Uh, a man, his baby died because Benny said on his television program, he said, at this gathering, at this meeting in California, we're going to see the dead raised back to life. And he didn't mean spiritual. He was talking, we're going to raise people from the dead. So this man packs his dead baby in ice and takes his dead baby on ice to the Benny Hinn rally and his henchmen throw him out of the arena and say, get out. This is demonic. What he does is demonic. When you tell people that they can get healed in the name of Jesus and it's just some sort of a hyped up thing and it's usually, I, God, I got a word. There's a pain. Someone's got a pain on the right side. God's calling you up here. Well, I, hope, I woke up with a pain this morning. Hang on, I'll be right back. So they come down and they tell him, I had a pain on my right side. They come up and Benny Hinn prays for him and says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then they fall over, hurt their back again because they fell over. But we've got this visible story in front of us that God heals. And when he heals, instantly his feet and ankles become strong. He's no longer crippled up and broken. He's healed immediately. And that verse 8, it says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And then he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping. So this wasn't like a, just a, oh, I can walk. He leaps up and then he leaps across and he's walking in and leaping with, Jan, with John and Peter. And he's leaping all the way into the temple. And verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as one that sat at the gate, beautiful, outside of the temple, and asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at, at what had just happened to him. 
So this was not a, this was not, wasn't a scam. This guy had been crippled from birth, according to the text, and God heals him miraculously, fixing his messed up, hurt, broken legs, and he immediately leaps up. And it's, I mean, to, in order to leap up, you've got you've to move a little bit. You've got to do some things that are, that are outside of your comfort zone to do this. And from birth, he's never been able to do this. And all of a sudden, now he can? This was a miracle. This was a miracle. And often what you see in these healing rallies is not the gospel preached. It's come to Jesus because you need to be healed. So Peter, verse 11, is in this port, Solomon's, Solomon's portico. It's in, the, it's in the entrance way of the temple. And what happens is Peter doesn't go like these faith healers do. Oh, listen, Jesus loves you. You need your healing. That's Todd White's claim to fame is Jesus loves you. This is why you get healed. Your pain in your back is going to go away. Watch some of his videos. Just outrageous some of the things he says and does. Um, verse 11 says, while this man still clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly were astonished and ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He addressed the people. People start noticing what's taking place because this man had been quiet and and been just asking for alms. And now all of a sudden he's loudly proclaiming glory to God because I've been healed. And Peter doesn't waste any time here. He doesn't waste any time. This guy had been crippled from birth. It'd be like, if Chansey had been crippled from birth, and we all, everybody in the town, we all knew it. We're like, no, listen, I know Chansey's, Chansey's crippled. And all of a sudden, Chansey comes leaping in here one Sunday morning. Just, hey! Everybody would be like, wait, what happened? What is this? How did this take place? And so they, they see this, and they're, He's this man's clinging on, holding on to because he's excited, clinging to the disciples. And Peter does not waste the time. Anytime in verse 11, he begins to preach the gospel. He's not going to throw away an opportunity just like you and I should not throw away an opportunity to be able to share the gospel with those that are around us. He does not waste a moment. He addresses the people and he says there in verse, thir- or verse 12, men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. I mean, he starts unpacking things and he says, he calls the crowd out. He says, it's not by our power that this took place. It's not by our piety that this took place. It's by the glory of God, God, our fathers, God of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac. Man, he's the one who delivered. He's the one who heals. And he tells them that God is the one who delivers. And then he goes, Wait, and here's the deal. You all delivered him over and crucified him and denied him. And not only that, but 
when Pilate was going to release him, there was a time, remember, at, at, at the time when Christ was crucified, Pilate came out to save his own skin and said, listen, at this season of the year, you get to, you get to take, you get to release somebody. I'm going to present two. Jesus, who just, he just stirred up some trouble. And then you got a murderer, Barabbas. And what did the crowd cry out? Barabbas, give us, we want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Okay. And so Peter brings that wound up. <laughs> he says, verse 14, or verse uh, 13. You denied him in the presence of Pilate. And when he had decided to release Jesus, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted freedom. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. So he unpacks. He's like, listen, Jesus was the chosen one. He was the Messiah. He was the righteous one. You had the opportunity to release him and you didn't. What did you do? You chose a murderer over the sovereign king of the universe and you murdered him. You put him on trial and you crucified him. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead and we're witnesses and his name by faith. I'm sorry. And his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man perfect health in the presence of all. Now, it's, it's, it, it didn't, Jesus just didn't heal him. He, the, he didn't unpack just that. Jesus healed him. He unpacks, listen, you killed him. He died on the cross. I mean, he unpacks this whole thing and says, listen, you're sinful, you're wicked, and you killed the one who was righteous and holy. He tells them he knows the faithful one of God. You killed him. Talk about a non-secret sensitive message. This isn't the message you give to try to pack your pews. (laughs) This is a no-nonsense message that is not the setup for church growth. But it's a message you preach if you want to see men and women come to know Christ and be saved and redeemed. Verse 17, he tells them that he knows that they acted in ignorance. Look at verse 17. And now, brothers, I, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, Now, he tells them, listen, I know you acted in ignorance on this thing. I know you didn't know. But here's the thing. Your ignorance of the truth of God does not excuse your sin or give you a pass. You acted in ignorance, but that is no excuse. So he tells them in verse 19 and 20 to repent and turn to Christ. Look at verse 19 and 20. Repent, therefore, and turn from your wicked ways, that your sins may be blotted out, and that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus. 
So he tells them to repent and turn to Christ. He says, listen, I know you acted in ignorance. I know that you had a problem here. But listen, that doesn't matter. I know you were ignorant to this fact. But here's the bottom line. Your ignorance doesn't excuse it. You still need to repent and believe. You still need to repent and turn to Christ. This same message applies to you and I today. We, we think, that no, 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 not me, Caleb. This was, this was for that people. They needed to repent and believe. They, they acted in ignorance. We're sophisticated, smart. We know everything. This same message applies for you and I today. Your sin and my sin is the reason that Christ went to the cross. Our sin was the reason he came to die. There's the, the only reason Christ came to this world was to seek and to save that which was lost. And the way he did that was by shedding his innocent, righteous, holy blood on the cross of Christ. So he says, repent and turn to Christ. Repent and turn to Jesus so that your sins may be blotted out and that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And this is, the, this is the message of the gospel. This is why we do what we do to tell people, listen, this is what needs to take place in your life. And then he, then he goes a little bit further in, in the text after this. Verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by his mouth, by the holy prophets long ago. So he starts talking about the prophets. He starts saying the prophets foretold about this stuff. Moses was one that was revered in this culture as a great prophet. Moses was a picture and a type of Christ. Verse 22. Moses said, to the, said the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. And you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. This is Moses was pointing to Jesus and listen, there's coming a day when there's going to be a prophet raised up. and You're going to need to listen to him. You're, need, you're going to need to listen to what he says. And this is the picture of Mo, Moses was a picture and type of Jesus. And so people revered Moses as a prophet. And so he John, Peter uses this language and says, hey, listen, um, here's what this is supposed to look like. Moses said. The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me. Who's he raising? Raising up Jesus. You've got to listen to what he tells you. Jesus has given you the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through you, or through him. And in verse 22, he's actually referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 19, 18 through 19, where God would raise up those who would tell the good news and that we would, should listen to them. And so Moses was considered one of the greatest prophets and deliverer of the law. And, the pro, and a prophet like him would often refer to the point, would point back to the idea of the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And so Moses, the symbol and type of this Messiah, he says, listen, he was here. His name was Jesus. You killed him, but God raised him the third day for your justification. And so what you need to do is you need to repent and you need to believe and you need to follow him. And the idea of the law, like this is, people, I always wondered, why was it they had this humongous revival and thousands upon thousands just came to know Christ? What happened? For years, for decades, for centuries, 
The law had been present in their lives. The law was a normal thing in a Jew's life every single day. It was taught as a normal staple in schools, in everyday life. The law was present. It was often there. In fact, it was everywhere. And the law was given to convict. The law can never save anybody. There's nothing in the Ten Commandments that can save any single solitary human being. Nothing in the law. All the law does is convict. Don't believe me? Go to Romans chapter 3. Just flip over a book. Just, I know it's, it it's, might be a pain for you, but just go over one book to Romans chapter 3. And look at verses 19 through 20. Listen to this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to these, I'm sorry, it speaks to those that are under the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So under the law, the entire world is held silent and convicted because of the law. Verse 20, for by the works of the law, no human being will ever be justified in God's sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is why using the law, that's why I use the law whenever I do evangelism, any type of conversations about Christ, I always point people back to the law. Because the law is what convicts you that you're a, holy, that you're a sinner. So for decades, centuries, men and women have been convicted of their sins. And then the good news The gospel, the fulfiller of the law, Christ, comes in and fulfills the law perfectly. No one had ever fulfilled the law. Nobody had ever kept the law. Everybody had broken the law. Everybody in this room has broken the law. Jesus didn't. He fulfilled it perfectly and died in our place. And was an offering, a perfect offering, so that we could find access to forgiveness and freedom. And so... Why did, why did thousands come to know Christ? Because they heard the law, the law, the law, the law, the law, the law, every day, every day. And then they come in and say, Christ was the fulfiller of the law. Here's the good news. You can't keep it, but he's the one who can keep it. And he's the one you need to repent and believe. Done! They hear that and there's hope and they come to know Christ. And the knowledge of sin came through the law that being, being presented So the people knew that they were lawbreakers. This is why revival happened. Finally, the time of refreshing is here. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. But then he gives them a warning in verse 23. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophets shall be destroyed from these people. So he gives them this warning in verse 23. Those who don't listen, they're going to be destroyed. And what was being told here was, to Peter's audience, was that they were in danger of losing the covenant blessing because of their rejection of the Messiah. They had, been, they had rejected the Messiah for so long that no, 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 I'm rejecting him. And Peter says, listen, You don't listen to what the prophet said. Moses said he was coming. Moses said he was on his way. He was here. You killed him, but God raised him up for your justification. Now repent and believe. And if you reject this, if you don't listen to this, you're going to lose the blessing of God. 
Period. We live in a culture right now and today that we're in danger of being given over to our own lusts. Because of our belief system, because of our rejection of the truth. In fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-12 through 12 says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. With all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deceptions, for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth, and so because... And so be saved. They refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends strong delusions so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most jaw dropping verses in all of the Bible. Because we have rejected the truth for so long, God's going to give us a shove and a direction and cause us to believe what is false. And you see it every single day in the world in which we live. People have bought into lies, hook, line and sinker, and they believe that they're the truth. They believe that they're real. They believe that they're the truth. Like, forget Sexual sin. Let's just go with evolution. Let's go with atheism. People are so convinced that we evolved from amoebas out of a primordial soup for billions of years. And then they've dismissed the idea of God and they've rejected this truth for so long that they're now going to. God says, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to cause you to believe that this lie is the truth. This is a terrifying state to be in that we in America could be in this right in the middle of it. People who say people who believe falsehoods for so long that now that the, they believe that what they're doing is right, even though God's word is plainly saying this is wrong. They say, I, I, that's a crutch. That's a that's just a, who cares about that. I don't care about that. I just know this is how I was born. This is what I believe. This is what I think is right. And the Bible says there is a way that that, that seems right to man, but at the end it leads to death. And ladies and gentlemen, we're in the middle of this. We're in the middle of a, 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 we talk about a pandemic. It's called a sin pandemic. We're in the middle of it right now. We've got men and women by the millions who believe falsely that they're following the truth. We have been given an opportunity, you and I have been given an opportunity to find grace and the refreshing from the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that we'd understand this truth and we follow after God. For in these days that we live are wicked, wicked. Verse 26, back in Acts. God raising up his servants sent him to you first to bless you by turning everyone of you from your wickedness. God has raised up people in our day to attest to the truth of God's word, to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to solid biblical doctrine and to find a blessing from solid biblical doctrine and a a calling for us to turn from our wickedness and turn to forgiveness and to righteousness and redemption That is in the works, people. And we find that 
in the person and the work of Christ alone. Like this is the day in which we live. I think of Romans chapter 1. We are in the generation of Romans chapter 1. Listen to this. For Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. By their own unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. So here's that idea again, that we suppress the truth as a nation. We suppress the truth as an individual. That I don't want to believe what God's word says, so I'm going to do what I want to do. We suppress the truth of God. But what, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Every single one of us in this room this morning know that God exists because of creation. How do we know? Verse 20, for his invisible, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. So every, you say, what about the, what about the person that's in the deepest part of, of Africa or the Amazon or somewhere where they just have no, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Creation shows that there is a God. Creation shows everyone was without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God and give thanks to him but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. Oh my goodness, we live in a culture that thinks they're so smart. We got got 20-something-year-old kids who think they are geniuses. They claim to be wise, but they are fools. They exchange the glory of the immortal God for the image resembling mortal man. So they worship men. They worship humanity. They worship their own flesh. Rather than worshiping the immortal God. They worship things that resemble mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Let me just tell you. Can I just get on a soapbox for a second? You know what's exhausting? The world in which we live is exhausting. The world. Hannah works for these movie people. And these crazy people bring their dogs to work with them. People treat their dogs like they're human beings. They're dogs. I, I, get it. I love my dog, Rowdy. He's a great thing. He's a nice little thing to have. But he's a dog? He's a dog? We treat our animals like they're some sort of a human. Oh, my, it's my baby. No, it's, it's a dog. It's a dog, and this is the proof that we love our animals more than we love human beings. Man, if I go out and I kill a puppy or I kill a cat, I go to jail. But if I kill an unborn baby, I... You got the right to do that. Oh, the wrath of God is on America, and you, I'm telling you right now, we are under judgment, and we need to repent. We got our animals over here, and we've got, we put them up on pedestals, and we're like, oh, little fluffy... How do I know? I've got family members that a cat destroyed his screen. Brand new windows. He just, the cat, this stray cat, destroyed screens. He shot the cat. The cops showed up and said, did you shoot this cat? He said, I sure did. They arrested him. He's now got a charge of animal cruelty on his history. Because a stray animal destroyed his property. 
We got women running to murder mills all over the country, and we're over here applauding. And you go, you watch these murder mills, these, these death scorts, as I like to call them, not escorts, death scorts. They dance with excitement, saying, can't wait to kill another one. Seen it? Am I Gabe, am I lying? Can't wait to kill another one. And we applaud that. What have we done? We've exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the image resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up to the lusts of their flesh, the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We have, tr- we have moved from worshiping the creator, the sovereign triune God of the universe, to the creation. Wow. So God gives them up to the lust of their flesh. God says, okay, you, you want to do that? You want to do that? Therefore, 2 Thessalonians, God sends strong delusions. God causes people to believe lies. To believe that the lie is the truth. Oh, that we would repent and come to Christ. That we would stop the insanity that we live in. There is a time and a place for refreshing, but it it cannot happen without repentance. You can never find the genuine biblical definition of refreshing without repentance. How do I know? Because the text tells us so. The text says, repent, repent therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out and that a time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed to you is Jesus. Oh, that we would do this, my friends, in the days in which we live. My hope is that we would not take this message for granted, that we would not be like, oh, that's for somebody else. I'm a Christian. I'm good right now. Man, I need the gospel every single day. So do you. We need the gospel every single day. We need it. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And my hope is that we would not take this for granted. You say, well, Caleb, it may be too late for me. I think it's too late. Let me ask you, are you still breathing? If you're still breathing, it's not too late. If you're still breathing, I'll never forget, I had a conversation with a young man. His name was Chris. And Chris, we had two chairs. There's a chair set here. You imagine there's a chair here. He's sitting there. I had a chair here. He just says, Caleb, I just think it's too late for me. I think I'm too far gone. I've done too many bad things. I've done too many horrible, awful, despicable Filthy things of God. I can't even fathom. Why would God even like me? I said, Chris, are you still breathing? He said, I sure am, Caleb. I said, then it's not too late for you. If you're here today and you do not know who Christ is, it is not too late. You are still breathing. But there is coming a point when that will end. Grace will end for you if you do not repent now. Find God to be sufficient now. Repent now and find that season of blessing and refreshing now. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Oh, that we would be a a people who long to see the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, that we would pursue him above all else, that we would long to know him. 
As David says in Psalms, one thing that I ask, the one thing I want above all else is to know you and to be in your house, to be in your presence. Oh, that we would be in his presence and we would not chase temporary stuff, but we would chase and long for him. We, we wouldn't have this temporary view and, say, and look to Jesus for a little bit of silver and gold. But we would look to Jesus as the author and the perfecter who gives us eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the truth. That's good news. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather here today as your people. God, help us to see the truth that we live in, that, that you have us here for a reason. You put us here for a purpose. Help us not to believe and be sucked into lies, Father, but that we would truly understand the gospel and be set free by the power of the gospel. Oh, that we would know him. Help us, Jesus. We pray all this in your beautiful and precious name. Amen. Thank you, and I love you all. You're dismissed.